Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer, and I have with me today Rena Van Oust from Strata Central. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing well. I am enjoying my week in Strata and I'm very much looking forward to working through some wins and challenges with you. What has been challenging you this week, Rena? Well, this week again, I mean, I know I keep repeating myself. I sound like a broken record, but I have another challenge that I've never had before. I think sometimes you think to yourself like, over the years, you think you've had pretty much everything that could possibly happen to you happen. But this is a new question that I've had asked in terms of the use of a swimming pool for a strata scheme where there are retail lots, commercial lots and residential lots. And this development predates the building management committees, which I think would have probably prevented the question that I'm about to ask you. But basically, there is a commercial owner who has about 40 staff that work in their offices and they have actually asked for 40 swipes for each of their staff members so that they are able to have access to the pool and the gym and, and the car park. And at the moment, the um, building managers come to me saying, well, I mean, you know, that's a lot of swipes for all the staff to be using. And normally, if you look at, say, a residential apartment, you look at the square meterage, you look at the occupancy limits that are allowed under Section 137 of the Act – if you look at it on a comparable basis, then they would only get about 10 swipes. And there's nothing in the bylaws at the moment to stipulate the use of these facilities by any particular component of the building. So I was just asked, what do we do in this case? And I thought, oh, this is a question for Amanda, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think you've hit on it there, Rena, when you've mentioned bylaws. This building needs to consider adopting a bylaw that regulates the use of these facilities. If the commercial lot is approved for the use that it's currently being used for, with 40 people coming and going, maybe that's a, a co-working space or something like that. Assuming that the local council has approved that use and you've said it is a mixed-use building and that's the commercial part of the building, well, you can't stop people coming and going to work. But in my view, you can pass a bylaw that says that employees of this business are not entitled to use the facilities like the swimming pool. I have definitely seen bylaws like that in mixed-use buildings and my recollection is that there are a couple of cases in our New South Wales Tribunal that have upheld bylaws like that. I can understand completely why the building is concerned about this additional strain on its facilities and I don't see that it is in any way unreasonable or to use the words in our New South Wales legislation, harsh, unconscionable or oppressive to say that the staff of this building are not entitled to use the swimming pool. So Amanda, in the meantime, obviously a bylaw obviously will take some time to be drafted and a, a general meeting to be arranged. So in the meantime, is it reasonable to say, well, pursuant to the occupancy limits of an equivalent um, lot in size and UE that, you know, your lot would only be entitled to say 10 swipes at this point? Uh, we're talking about different things here. The issue of swipes, number one, and then the access that those swipes allow. So is this a building? Yeah, sorry, they all have swipes, Amanda. It's just this, 
the swipes actually give them access into the building and obviously into their own um, area of the building in terms of access to the office. But they don't give them access to the car park, to the swimming pool and the gym. So obviously those sections are at the moment deactivated. Yes, I don't see a problem with that. You really do need to be putting in place a bylaw pretty quick smart about access devices and how many each tenant, so that's the leaseholder, the name that is on the lease, how many they're entitled to and how they apply for more and what process the committee, I imagine it will be, should follow when considering that application. They need to be and should be, my recommendation, reasonable in the circumstances, taking into account the kinds of tenants that they have working from the premises. And if it's a large business as this one is with many staff coming and going, I don't see that it's unreasonable that those staff need access to be able to get to and from their workplace. I imagine there aren't 40 car spaces in the parking lot for every staff member to park. There might be two or three. So there will only be two or three fobs that allow that access. And in my view, there should only be two or three fobs that then allow access to the swimming pool. You've got to draw a line somewhere, don't you? Yeah, that's what we're trying to ascertain in terms of there's got to be some limit, but what would that limit be? And I think the committee were just looking at a sort of occupancy limit type arrangement. If you look at a residential apartment, you know, mm. you have so many two people per bedroom, etc. And therefore, if you look at the square meterage in the UE and trying to use that comparison, I think, Amanda, that may sort of be perhaps overcomplicating it. Maybe I would suggest that a bylaw be drafted that will pretty much limit the access to facilities to a either a set amount or some sort of calculation that allows those occupants to use it, but it also doesn't allow, you know, the whole company, which is totally out of proportion in terms of the mm. number of um, people that would be able to use it at any one time in any event. I mean, you couldn't even have 40 people up there. Yeah, and have a think about chatting mm. to the owner of the lot and see what their expectations are. And you might find that there is a cooperative solution here. The owner might say, that's fine. We're, we're happy to only have three or four FOBs that give access to these facilities and that those will be for the, the team leaders or for the directors of the company, whoever that might be. We don't want our staff members using these facilities. It's a concern to us as well. So having that conversation could be quite helpful. The other thing to look at, Rena, is the conditions of consent that the council has issued. I have been involved in mixed-use buildings where the council has been quite strict about the use to which a commercial lot can be put, including hours of use. So if there is a lot, for example, that has 40 people working, coming and going, they can't attend the building on a weekend or after 5pm on a weekend, something like that. Have a look at those conditions because they may provide a shortcut for you and can be incorporated, indeed should be incorporated into the terms of the bylaw. Well, thank you, Matt. Oh, yeah, we hadn't actually thought of that. So we'll look at the conditions of consent to see if there are any limitations or restrictions. Mm. It's a tricky one. And as you said, Rena, a problem that is going to become less common as our developments are constructed a little bit more thoughtfully and creatively using stratum parcels and separate strata plans for residential and commercial buildings. Indeed. <laughs> All right. My challenge for this week, Rena, I'd like to continue our discussion from a couple of weeks ago, episode 253. We spoke about 
balconies being enclosed by owners over many, many years and a building that you were working with, Rena, did not have any record of approval for those enclosures. One of the balconies was suffering from water penetration and the question that we debated was who is responsible for fixing this defect in the balcony enclosure? Now, I thought this would be a common problem that owners, committees, our listeners generally may have experienced. And indeed, we did hear from one of our listeners who happens to be a strata lawyer who shared with us his experience in a past case before NCAT where exactly this issue was considered. The case is called Prior, P-R-I-O-R, and the owners of Strata Plan 4382. It is an unreported case, but we are lucky enough to have a copy of this decision, and I will pop a link to it in the show notes so you can go and check it out. As I said, very helpfully shared with us by a listener who is also a Strata lawyer. And the upshot of this case is that there was a balcony enclosure that had been in place for about 40 years, And no one had really been too concerned about that until there was eventually a complaint about the enclosure and tribunal proceedings ensued. Now, in this case, there were council documents from the 1970s that indicated that the Owners Corporation had approved an application to council to enclose the balcony and the tribunal determined that that was enough to show that the owner's corporation had consented to the enclosure way back in the 70s. There was no bylaw and there was no shifting of responsibility for affected common property over to the lot owner. So the owner's corporation was responsible for the work required to rectify damage to the enclosure, which of course was the purpose of the application. Now, have a read of this case. It was sent to us, Rena, on the basis that it was a little bit unsatisfactory. I'll put it politely. There is some interesting reasoning in the case, but I wanted to raise it as a follow-up to our discussion from a couple of weeks ago, because that's something we didn't mention, council records. That is an important avenue to go down if you're not sure what the history of alterations or additions to common property might be. There's no helpful history on the owner's corporation's books and records. Check in with the local council. It's surprising that this council had records that were about 40, 50 years old, (laughs) but they did and it determined the case. I think the interesting thing is, Amanda, that, yeah, when when council has given consent, then that then had shifted the responsibility to the owners' corporation. But I suppose if it, had there been bylaws, then that, that would have been averted, I think, in that case. Yes, I agree. And reiterating there our suggestion from last week that buildings don't ignore these works when they see them going on. They're aware that they have gone on in a building, unauthorised works that haven't been covered off by a bylaw, these are the kind of situations you can run into. The tribunal finding that the owners corporation is ultimately responsible because the lot owner is able to produce some record, however tenuous, let's say that, of approval from the distant past. Nobody wants to be in that position of being surprised by a legal obligation that you assumed you didn't have. 
That's correct, Amanda. I think on one of the episodes that we had a discussion in relation to um, pipe work for, for gas supply under floorboards. And mm. again, even though um, many of the owners had actually undertaken this at their own expense, there were no bylaws to state that. And therefore, the owner who made the application against the owners' corporation saying it was common property was able to show that at the time of registration of the strata plan, those gas pipes could have been there and therefore there was nothing to the contrary. And again, without bylaws shifting the responsibility to the actual lot owner, then these things do occur when there's no proper record keeping or proper approval processes that have been undertaken. Yep, they do indeed. Moving on to your win for this week, Rena. Do you have a win to share with us? Yeah, so basically for those that have been following the recent um, review of the Strata Schemes Management Act and the Development Act, there was a deadline that's now been extended to the 7th of April. So for the various bodies that are undertaking those reviews, it gives us a bit more breathing space. And also there's been now a third survey about the keeping of animals in Strata Schemes The additional survey is in response to a requirement um, by the Strata Schemes Management Amendment, Sustainability Infrastructure Brackets Act 2021, which commenced on the 24th of February 2021. And um, this new provision requires a minister to review the strata management laws as they relate to the keeping of animals in strata and to table a report in both houses of Parliament by August 2021. So I think this whole topic, a matter of, of pets and the recent decision is coming to a head now, I think. Yes. Thank you for raising this, Rena. I did talk about the new legislation in our Friday Live a couple of weeks ago, and I'll pop the link to that replay here in the show notes so you can go and check it out. The amending act, which indeed did commence on the 24th of February, introduces a new section 137B into our Strata Schemes Management Act, which provides that a bylaw which unreasonably prohibits the keeping of an animal is invalid. Now, that particular section does not actually commence until August this year. Between now and then, this survey is being conducted so that owners can express their opinion on the keeping of animals in strata schemes. And as I understand it, some regulations can be developed to better guide our buildings when it comes to their rules about the keeping of animals. So I understand that's the purpose of the survey. It just cropped up, I think, within the last week at the time we're recording this. And we will make sure there's a link for you to participate in that if you would like to. So Amanda, what's been your experience um, in terms of buildings and individual lot owners coming to you about this whole pet issue? Have you seen a, a flurry of activity in terms of unreasonable refusal for some buildings or people coming to you to amend their bylaws to make them more pet friendly? Yes, definitely since the Cooper decision last October when our Court of Appeal invalidated a blanket ban on pets at the Horizon building, I've had many owners approach me confused about whether the law had changed because of that decision, whether all blanket bans on pets were now invalid, including owners who had approached their committees for approval to keep a pet in the face of a ban and were still being told, no, we have a ban and You are not allowed to even make an application. We don't have to consider your application. I have a number of clients currently in mediation about those issues. Yes, we have a similar situation and we've been trying to reason with the committee to say that 
you just can't say no, but um, yeah. Yes. And with this, the passing of this new legislation, I've been saying to my clients and to buildings as well, who are reaching out to me asking what's happening, that it is only a matter of time before your blanket ban will be declared invalid. That is not what the new legislation says. The new legislation says that we cannot unreasonably prohibit the keeping of an animal. What is unreasonable? The legislation says that it will be unreasonable if the animal has no impact on other occupiers' use and enjoyment of the common property. You cannot assess impact if you have a blanket ban. So in my view, we will see this travel through the tribunal and be tested and we'll get some case law about what this new section means. But I would not be surprised if we see time and again blanket bans being declared invalid because they simply don't allow an owner's corporation to test that question of whether a pet will have any impact on other occupiers' use and enjoyment of their lot or the common property. Yeah, it's a very interesting question, Amanda, and I think it's only going to be a matter of time before those sort of conditions and and situations are assessed in more detail. I think it's, yeah, the word impact, um, what what does that mean? (laughs) Mm. The other points to note about this new legislation, the Sustainability Infrastructure Act, is that it introduces a lower threshold for the approval of sustainability infrastructure. So it's not just about pets. There is a reason why the amending act has that title. If a building wants to install sustainable infrastructure or an owner wants to install sustainable infrastructure and requires a resolution at a general meeting to add to or alter the common property, then that resolution will pass if not more than 50% vote against the resolution. So we have, as I discussed in our Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago, this rather odd phrasing, which is the same type of phrasing we use to define a special resolution where the successful vote is defined in the negative. Not more than 50% vote against, your resolution will pass and you will be able to install your sustainable infrastructure. Solar panels, electric car charging, those are the big ticket items that we're thinking owners and buildings will get into now, which is great. And this legislation has been welcomed indeed in uh, lots of different strata circles. Yeah, I think the um, energy efficiency measures that buildings are trying to introduce to lower their operating costs and obviously make a difference in terms of the environment, Amanda, um, I think is a, is a very welcome um, addition to our legislation, making sure that the bar now is a bit lower in terms of achieving that outcome. Because I I've, do recall previously in a scheme that I used to manage that the owners corporation wanted to install solar panels and unfortunately requiring a special resolution at the time um, because it was actually unsuccessful because a lot of the owners didn't like the fact that, you know, the, the visual aesthetics on the roof of this building and therefore now you know, if they want to revisit that, they'll be probably able to achieve that outcome having the 50% threshold as opposed to a special resolution. Mm, yes, good news. Wrapping up with my win for this week, some time ago, Rena, I discussed with you a decision from not the Consumer and Commercial Division of NCAT, but the 
Administrative and Equal Opportunity Division of NCAT. It was a case about discrimination law and confirming that discrimination law does apply in our strata schemes. You and I discussed the impact of this on owners' corporations thinking about whether they might have to upgrade areas of their common property to cater for people who, for example, have a disability and need different avenues of access to a building. And I mentioned in that chat the question of hard flooring. I had had a couple of cases where owners had a medical reason why they needed hard flooring in their apartments and they were battling in essence, with owners' corporations that had hard flooring bans. And we were raising these questions of discrimination and whether that was an avenue that an owner could go down. Now, my win for this week relates to one of those cases where the matter has been resolved. The committee has considered these issues of the particular owner's need to have hard flooring, their legal obligations in the context of discrimination, and also the fact that hard flooring is defined as minor work under our Strata Schemes Management Act and therefore should be allowed if approved by ordinary resolution. And the committee has sensibly come back to my client and said, your hard flooring installation will be permitted in your particular circumstances. So they haven't changed their bylaw, they haven't removed their ban, but they have, to put it one way, made an exception for this particular owner because of his particular circumstances, which I think is the right result. That's a wonderful outcome, Amanda. I think many years ago we had a similar situation in a building that has a blanket ban on hard flooring and an arrangement was achieved between the lot owner and the strata committee in terms of the person requiring the use of a wheelchair and not being able to move around easily within the apartment. So that was also done. And I think included in that arrangement was the fact that once that person sold the lot or left the lot, that that carpet would have to be reinstated. So there were some conditions given on, on that consent. But I think that, yeah, Amanda, you're absolutely right that that is the right decision. And sometimes, even though the ban may work in the majority of cases, that the people that do have disabilities or do have special needs need to be considered more compassionately in terms of these types of amenities that make their life much easier. Yes, and we're talking about the same thing here, aren't we, as in the pets circumstance, exercising discretion, not taking an administratively convenient approach, and that's really what bans are, that's what our Court of Appeal has said, and doing the work to consider each application on its own merits. It is, I acknowledge, a little bit more work, but it is more likely, I believe, to lead a committee to the right result, the fair result and avoid costly litigation down the track. I know this building in particular was getting some advice from a very experienced strata lawyer and I can see that that advice must have hit home, which has saved both parties time, trouble and preserved the sense of community in a building where everybody's been neighbours for a long time and will continue to be so. And to see these kinds of cases resolved cooperatively is always a good thing. That's wonderful news, Amanda. There are good news stories in Strata, aren't there, Rena? Yeah, so they're far and few between, but they are out there. <laughs> <laughs> we do struggle. 
dear listeners, sometimes <laughs> to, to <laughs> source our wins for the fortnight, but we get there, which is good. <laughs> Lovely to see you, Rena. I will chat with you next time. See you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?